Good morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Your love, O oh Lord, is better than life.
You can be seated. Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. In case you didn't um, figure out from the video, it is time to volunteer for Vacation Bible School. Um, if you have met me, you know I love, 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 love Vacation Bible School. It is so exciting and such a great time for kids to come together, learn about Jesus in an age-appropriate way. And we have so many kids that their stories um, of salvation begin at Vacation Bible School. And I'm sure if I were to ask for a raise of hands here, we would have several of you that you have part of your testimony as a VBS. So we cannot make VBS happen without volunteers. So we are asking that you sign up for VBS if you feel led. There is an insert in your bulletin. You can just simply fill it out. It's an interest form. And then we have a table set up over to, if you leave and go to the left by the Welcome Center, where you can drop that off and you can spin the spinner because it's all about games and you can win a prize. And we have fancy, I said yes to VBS stickers because who doesn't like a sticker? Todd, are you volunteering for VBS this year? Would you like a sticker? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's what I get for involving or <laughs> asking him a question. Anyway. Um, so if you're a guest with us here this morning, we are so glad that you have joined us. You can fill out one of the guest um, cards in the pew back in front of you, and we have a, um, a gift that we would like to give you that's at the Welcome Center just that way as you leave that we would love to talk to you and get to know you. We're going to pray together and then continue in worship this morning. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and being able to gather together, Father, and we pray for worship, that we hear what you have to tell us, and that we hear um, through your word the things that we should know, Father, and I pray that we can impact our community and we can leave here refreshed um, and ready to serve you this week. It's in your name I pray, amen. Let's stand together. Our God is lavish with his love. Somebody say it's a reckless love.
They're going back to their seats. Let's just let's just kind of sing that chorus again. I pray for your healing. The circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside will flee in Jesus' name. That's it. I pray for a breakthrough. What happened today? I pray miracles inside your life. In Jesus' name, sing it again. 
I pray for your healing. Yeah, revival, yeah. For resurrection of, that's it. I pray for the dead to come alive. For the dead to come alive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, musicians. Good morning to you. Joy to worship with you today. I want to invite you to a couple of things coming up in our church. Take another step to be involved. Wednesday night at 6.30, I began a four-week class called Introductions. It's an introduction to basic Christian beliefs and spiritual growth principles. It's also an introduction to the staff, campus, ministries, and mission of First Baptist Church. So it's for two groups of people. If you're a new member in our church, we ask you to go through this within a year after you join so you can make connections and learn about our church. It's also for people, if you're brand new here and you're just checking our church out, learning what it's about, we want to invite you to come. Go to the Welcome Center at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.15 is the class. There's things for your kids and teens during that time. And a greeter at the Welcome Center will take you to room C200. We'd love for you to get to know our church. You can join in the class, but there's no obligation, no pressure. So if you're just checking our church out, we'll invite you to come. Wednesday at 6.30, four-week class begins. I look forward to seeing you there. I also want to invite you to consider being a part of a fellowship event next Sunday evening. We have a member meeting at 6 o'clock. We want to invite all members to come. But we have an, uh, our men's chili cook-off and women's dessert bake-off. That's a tradition in our church. So guys, boys, invite you to cook chili. Ladies, girls, we invite you to uh, uh, bake desserts. All the, the rules are in our newsletter. But uh, we need your participation. We all eat together in the gym following the member meeting. Great time for you to get to know some people in our church. If you're new here, get connected. Great fellowship. Invite you to come and be a part of that. I've been sharing in the month of January a series of sermons entitled Fresh Start. You can have a fresh start in the new year. You can have a fresh start in life through an encounter with Jesus. We believe that Jesus can make a difference in your life. So we've been looking at stories in the Bible of people who encountered Jesus and it made a great change in their life and had a fresh start. I'll just review them with you for a moment because I hope that you'll be able to identify with someone. The first week I shared with you the story in the Gospel of Luke about a woman who had a reputation for being sinful. She just had a reputation in her community uh, her past was not uh, a, a pleasant thing. But the good news is, no matter what your past is, you can have a fresh start. And Jesus said to her, your friend, sins are forgiven, go in peace. So if you've had a rough past, if you've messed up, you can have a fresh start in Jesus. And then I shared with you the story of a man named Nicodemus, who was an upstanding, respected member of the community, a Jewish leader of the Sanhedrin, who was a moral man, but something was missing, and he came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you must be born again. You need a fresh start, even if you've been a religious person, a good person. That's not going to get you into heaven. You must be born again. Then I shared with you last week about a woman who had tried to make a fresh start in life over and over. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've tried a lot of times to kick a habit, get in church, do better. This woman had been married five times and now was living with someone who was not her husband. And Jesus said, I can give you living water that you'll never thirst again. And she believed in Jesus and had a fresh start. You can too. 
Well, today we're going to move to the book of Acts, and I'm going to share with you three more stories. That's right, for the same price, you get three today. Three stories in one chapter in Acts 16 of three very different people who met Jesus and had a fresh start through an encounter with him. Now, what I want you to see about this, these occur after Jesus has risen and ascended back into heaven. These occur not through a personal encounter with Jesus, but through the preaching of Jesus. You can have a fresh start. This is where you are. These people believed, even though they'd never met Jesus personally, like the woman at the well and Nicodemus. It was through the preaching of Jesus that they encountered him because he's alive today. And you can meet Jesus today through the preaching of Jesus so you have something in common with these people in Acts 16. So let's look at them together. Have your Bible. I invite you to open it with me to Acts chapter 16. Scriptures will also be on the screen. We begin in verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is when the gospel moves from Asia to Europe. Paul had a vision of someone calling him over, and they sail from what is now Turkey over to now what is Greece. I want you to see that there, this is the first of the we passages in Acts. What does that mean? That means that at this point, Luke begins to write in the first person plural, we. Look at the verses before, uh, verse 8, if you have your Bible, I don't have it on the screen, if you look in your Bible, verse 8 says they, but now it's we. So this is where Luke joins the mission team. So there are four of them. There is Paul, there is Silas. In the chapter before, it says at Lystra, they picked up Timothy. And now in this verse, at this place, Luke joins them, team of four missionaries, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, going to Greece. And it says in verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis, two-day sail across. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. So here's the first person that they encounter that finds a fresh start. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So Paul's strategy when he came to a new city was to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. That's what Romans 1 says. The, the Jews have the background of the Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah, have some background for believing in Jesus, so he starts there, goes to the synagogue. There's not a synagogue in Philippi. A synagogue required 10 Jewish males to constitute. If there are not 10 Jewish men in a city, then they can't have a synagogue. They don't have a synagogue here, but they have a place of prayer, an open-air place of prayer where some women are praying. And Paul goes there to worship with them on the Sabbath. We went to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. So uh, she was from Thyatira, back over in Asia, a city renowned for its purple dye. Purple dye was rare. If you wore purple, that was expensive. Only the more wealthy could afford that. So this was sort of a luxury item. And she may have been a representative from the manufacturer there. And she's in Philippi. Lydia is a successful businesswoman, a single woman who is doing well. 
and it says that she is a God-fearer. Now, that's a title for someone who is a Gentile, but believes in the God of the Old Testament, of the Bible, and practices Judaism, but has not taken the full step to keep all the law and become a Jew. Cornelius, earlier in the book of Acts, was a God-fearer, a Gentile who's worshiping with Jews and is on the verge there, he's seeking, and that was Lydia. And then it says in this verse, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. That's what I pray might happen in your heart today. God does the work of drawing people to himself. And the devil wants to close your heart. And he wants to distract you right now or have excuses. But if you're like Lydia, maybe you've been doing well. You're not in crisis. You've made some money. Your job's going well. Your career, your business, you're doing well. You're successful. But even in that success, there's something missing in your life. That's Lydia. You're you're looking for more. More meaning. What what more is there in life? And that's where Lydia was. Maybe that's where you are today. And the Lord opened her heart. I pray today that the Lord would open your heart to the truth of the message of Jesus. That he is what you need and he's what you're longing for. And so she believed. And it says in verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So she believed and then she was baptized. That's what you ought to do. And the other members of her household, whether this were her children or servants in her household, they believed and were baptized too. So when you become a believer in Jesus, the sign of that is you're supposed to be baptized. And if you would believe in Jesus, I'd call you to be baptized. And she invited them to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And so this is probably where the church at Philippi began to meet in her house it's certainly where these four missionaries stayed she obviously had a pretty large house she could easily accommodate these four missionaries she had servants uh, perhaps Lydia was a successful middle upper class businesswoman international travel to Thyatira and yet her heart was empty something she was seeking and she found it in Jesus and I would say to you if that's you You can find in Jesus what is missing in your life. Well, the second person who found a fresh start at Philippi was very different from Lydia on the opposite end of the social and economic scale. It says in the next verse, verse 16, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave or a slave girl, a young female slave, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The phrase, a spirit by which she predicted the future, is a translation of just two Greek words, pneuma, spirit, and python, like the snake. Here's the background on this python spirit that this woman had. The Greeks, in their culture, in their religion and mythology, believed that Delphi was the center of the earth. And they believed that uh, there was a serpent a snake came out of the earth there the python and that the god apollo killed this serpent the snake and he gained the power of divination the power of seeing the future 
And so at Delphi was a shrine, a temple, a pagan temple, with this big carving of this snake, big statue of a snake, the python. And the priestesses who worked that temple were called pythons. And this young slave girl was one of those or had some connection with that or was a worshiper of that. And she had a python spirit, the spirit that enabled her, they believed, to be able to predict the future. You see, false religions can, and cults can open you up to demonic power. And when you mess with the, those things, uh, get pulled away in those things, they can open you to that. And that's what happened to this woman. She is demon-possessed, but this demon apparently has given her some ability to tell the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Uh, and so her owners, either maybe it's a syndicate or a mob or priests, I don't know, but her owners that own her skim money from her ability to tell the future. And verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That's true. In, in Scripture, in the encounters with Jesus, demons often speak objective truth. They recognized who Jesus was. And it says, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, I don't know why he didn't do it when he first met. I don't know why he just got annoyed and finally did it. I, I don't know, but that's what it says. He finally just, this, uh, this back, maybe he didn't want to confront that, this background noise. He finally said, just turn around, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the name of Jesus is more powerful than any demonic evil. The name of Jesus is powerful. And in the name of Jesus, the demon was cast out from her. Now, I don't know if this woman became a believer it does not say uh, I pray that she did I think she did because of the position of telling this story Luke is telling it in between two others who certainly did clearly did so I think that she did I hope she did because the Bible says Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 that if evil is cast out of your life and you don't put something else good in the power of the Holy Spirit then you will be worse off before than you were before because you're just like a clean house for more demons to come in that's my paraphrase of it. You can read it in Luke chapter 11. So I pray that she not only had the demon cast out, but she received the gift of the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus. So this young woman, she's at the bottom of the list. She's a slave. She has nothing of her own. She is captive. She is addicted. She is overpowered. She is owned and maybe uh, you're not a slave, but maybe you're in bondage. Maybe you're a mess. Maybe you're at the bottom of the barrel. Maybe uh, you are not in control of your life and your emotions. And uh, there's, there's, there's evil in your life. I want to share with you, no matter how low you are, you can have a fresh start in Jesus. The name of Jesus is more powerful. And this slave girl who was owned by humans and possessed by demons found a fresh start in Jesus. You can too, no matter how messed up you think you are.
The reason we don't know for sure the rest of her story is because there was a big interruption right after this. We read it next in verse 16, or, or verse uh, 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now it's not the we, now it's the they. Why are Luke and Timothy not seized? They are Gentiles. This is an anti-Jewish move, as we're going to see in just a moment. Paul and Silas are Jews, and so Timothy and Luke do not suffer this same fate. So now it's in the third person he says that they were dragged into the marketplace to face the authorities and they brought them before the magistrates and said these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice well really they just lost their income stream and they're mad about that it all came down to money but this is their excuse of what they're saying the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So they stripped off their clothes, and on their back with, with sticks, with these rods, they beat them. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So um, their feet would be in those holes to hold them there, and so you can't move and get up and walk around or lie down. You're stuck there. Their backs are burning. They've been beaten. What would you do in that situation? Well, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. That's just an amazing verse, isn't it? What would you have done in that situation? I just don't know if I would have been praising and praying. Do you? I, I think I might have been whining and complaining. Right? Uh, how do you respond to adversity? Wouldn't it have been easy for Paul and Silas to say, God, we're, we didn't have to come to Philippi. You sent us that vision and told us to come over here. We're doing your work. We're trusting in you, and this is what happens to us. Why, God, why would I have such trouble when I'm trying to serve you? Maybe you've said something like that. And we tend to think that if we're going to follow Jesus, everything ought to be peachy keen and roses, and it's not like that. He didn't promise that. Because they're following Jesus, their life is worse right now. Sometimes your life will be a little bit worse when you follow Jesus. In the long run, it's going to be a whole lot better. But he said, if you follow me, you'll have families and treasure and persecution in this life. So, but Paul and Silas, what a model they are to us of how to respond to adversity, to see God's purpose. You know one reason they're praying and praising God? Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, Blessed are you when you're insulted and spoken against and persecuted for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven, and so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's why they're singing, their reward is great, and they have the honor of being in the company of the prophets. So, Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose and the jailer woke up 
And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So the death penalty was in effect for letting prisoners escape. We know that because earlier in Acts chapter 12, an angel came and let Peter out of prison. Remember that story? And he came back to the church. The angel escorted him there. And it says in Acts 12 that the guards who had been guarding Peter were executed because of that. So apparently that's the practice. Your life's on the line when you're guarding these prisoners. That's why he put them in maximum security. That's why he put their feet in stocks. Make sure they stayed there. His life was on the line. Now there's been this earthquake. He wakes up. All the doors have flown open. Uh, all the chains have rattled free. In the darkness he can't see. He assumes that they are gone. And his life is not worth living. And he draws his sword. And he's about to commit suicide. Now I believe that God arranges things. I, I, it could be that here today there's someone who has had thoughts of suicide. That you feel like your life is not worth living. And you're in debt or you've, you have shame for something you've done. Or for, for teenagers in, in Tennessee, teen suicide is such an issue of teenagers who have these thoughts of suicide because of things going on in their world and relationships. And I just pray if that's the case, you would hear the word of God to you today that this man was mistaken in what he thought. He thought his life was not worth living, and he was wrong. He didn't have the full picture, and when you're suicidal, you don't have the full picture. You're not thinking clearly. And suddenly, and it says that... Uh, Paul shouted out to him, verse 28, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Paul had taken control of this prison. They'd been listening to them pray and sing, and he said, we're not, we're not leaving, we're not leaving. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought the master out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This slave girl had been saying, these men are servants of the Most High, are telling you the way to be saved. And he had seen how they'd responded and heard their prayers and heard their singing. And he's come to the point to see there's truth in this. And he asked that most important question that you need to ask, what must I do to be saved? And Paul answers verse 31, or they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Oh, here's a great response. Uh, I teach a class on how to share your faith. I'll do it starting in March the 1st. After introductions in February, you can take this class and we learn you can share your faith by memorizing three words. We memorize one word to describe our spiritual problem. We memorize one word to describe God's solution or provision. And we memorize one word to describe what we must do. And the one word we memorize to what we must do is believe. You want to sum up in one word what you have to do to be saved? It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Sure, there are other important words. Jesus came preaching, repent and believe the good news. Repentance is important, but it's combined with belief. Confession is important. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So confession comes after, repentance comes before, but the central word, the one word answer to how to become a Christian, how to get to heaven, how to be saved from your sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You ought to memorize this verse. 
Acts 16.31, I've done some mission trips in Spanish-speaking places, and I don't speak Spanish. And I decided I'm going to memorize something in Spanish that if I'm caught without an interpreter, I can say something to somebody. You know what I chose to, rem- to memorize? Hecho dieciséis, treinta uno. Creí en el Señor Jesucristo y su está salvado su y su casa. That's all the Spanish I know right there. One verse, Acts 16, 31. You need to memorize it. English would probably be the best for you. Memorize it in English. <laughs> Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's the one word answer that boils down the plan of salvation. And this man did that. And it says, verse 32, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the the jailer took and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. So again, baptism follows belief, right? He believed and then he's baptized. That's what you need to do, believe and you're baptized. Now, salvation is an individual thing. You've got to do it on your own. But there's nothing wrong with a group of people doing it on their own. It's wonderful for families to believe together and to be baptized together. This family, assuming he has a wife and kids, apparently he and all his family, they heard the word individually. They all believed, but they believed together. That's great. And they're all baptized together. Oh, it would be great today if a husband and a wife would come down with holding hands and say, together we want to believe in Jesus and be baptized. It would be great if a husband, wife, and kids would come and say, we want to believe in Jesus and be baptized. And the last verse, it says there, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You want to find joy in your life? This man who just a few hours before had been suicidal comes to find joy in life by believing in Jesus. You can have a fresh start in life by believing in Jesus. So maybe you're like this this, uh, jailer. He's sort of middle class. He's a family guy. Many jailers were ex-military. He may have been a veteran, solid citizen. Life was going good, and then some crisis came, and he felt it was not worth living. But he found in that crisis what he needed in a relationship with Jesus. Three very different people in the city of Philippi, all three found a fresh start through a relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't meet him personally. They're just like you. They heard somebody preach about Jesus And they were convinced of the truth of the message. And they came to believe in Jesus. One of them, upper middle class, successful businesswoman. Had it all together, doing well. Not a crisis in her life. But something missing. Some longing. If Lydia lived in Manchester, she'd live in Willowbrook. She'd drive a Lexus or a Mercedes or, or uh, some other car like that. She'd go to the airport in Nashville and fly on her business trips to represent her company. And yet, for all of her success, there was something uh, missing in her life. 
If this slave girl lived in uh, Manchester, she wouldn't drive anything. She'd be one of those people you see pushing a shopping cart or standing at Walmart. She'd be on meth or she'd be a prostitute or she'd, she'd live at the trucker's inn. She'd be at the bottom of the socioeconomic barrel that most people would totally give up on. No hope. She found a fresh start in Jesus. And in between, in the solid middle class, this jailer would live in any of a number of subdivisions in Manchester. He'd drive an F-150 pickup with a Semper Fi Marine sticker on the back window. He'd go to his kid's t-ball game, family man, solid citizen, just trying to support his family, and make ends meet, enjoy life. Thought he was doing okay and had a crisis in his life when he realized he didn't. And he had to have something. He had to have something. Maybe you can identify one of these people. Maybe your life is a wreck and you're a disaster. You're a mess. You're an addict. You can have a fresh start in Jesus. Maybe you are doing well. Life's going good. But there's something missing in your life. You are created for a relationship with God and your sin stands between you and God and Jesus died for you and rose, rose again. And if you'll believe in him, you can find that missing piece to your life and be born again. Or maybe you're the average person going through life and it seems okay, but you're not equipped to deal with crisis. And maybe you've even been suicidal. And Jesus is the answer. No matter who you are, there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for all. And the story of Philippi shows us, no matter who you are, you can have a fresh start by believing in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, we're all very different. Incomes are different. Politics are different. Sports teams are different. Homes are look different. But, God, we're all the same. We all have a sin problem. We all have a longing for something more than what this world can offer. We all, Lord, need strength and help to face crises in our life. And, oh, Lord, we call out to you. And if there's anyone here today that needs a fresh start, I pray right now they would say, what must I do to be saved? I pray they would call upon you, believe in you, repent of their sin, confess you. I pray that they would walk down this aisle to be baptized by themselves or with a family. I pray they'd find a fresh start. And I pray like this Philippian jailer, they would be filled with joy in their life. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to sing a song. During this song is a time for you to respond. If you want a fresh start in life, you need to be baptized. I want to invite you to walk forward, meet me here. Maybe where you stand in the pew, you need to make a fresh beginning with God. You can certainly do that. If you want to come forward and somebody pray with you, whatever you need, somebody would be glad to do that. God speaks to your heart. Would you come as we sing?
Thank you. Please be seated for just a moment. I want to recognize Nancy Simpson's going to come right now. Tim, you have a mic there? Uh, uh, Nancy Simpson is coming to share with you about a new ministry in our church. Nancy, you need a podium? I'll get you. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Morning. I appreciate this opportunity to come and talk about a new ministry in our church called Embrace Grace. But before I do that, I'd like to give us just a little background about the need for this ministry. And so many of you may be aware that January is Sanctity of Human Life Month. And as believers, we uh, acknowledge this because we know that God made people, male and female, in his image. And so God wor God's word affirms to us that every human life, young, old, born, pre-born, is to be valued and respected. And so you may also uh, realize that this January was to be the 50th anniversary of the 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states. But last June, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the Roe decision and ruled that the Constitution does not include the right to an abortion. And because of this ruling, the decision was about abortion was returned to individual states and in Tennessee because of trigger laws that we already had in place. As of August of last year, abortion became illegal in the state of Tennessee except to protect the life of the mother, save the life of the mother. So you also may be thinking that there's still young women with unexpected pregnancies. And just like before, a lot of these young women are scared and they feel alone. They don't know what to do or where to turn for help. And they're still hearing discouraging words from the world saying, you can't do this. And many are feeling pressured to go to nearby states and where abortion is still illegal and receive an abortion there. So I believe that in addition to our wonderful pregnancy support centers, these women also need to hear from us, the church. And they need to hear hope and encouragement from the church. And they need to hear how brave they are for choosing life for their child. And they need to hear and they need to see by our actions that they and their preborn child are valued and loved. So with the overturning of Roe, I really believe that God has given the church a second chance to step up and be the church in this area of ministry. And that's why I'm so excited about this new ministry that we have here called Embrace Grace. And Embrace Grace is a 12-week Bible study and support group for single women with unexpected pregnancies. This group will be meeting on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. beginning February the 8th. And as these young women come to our church each week, we want to point them to the cross and help inspire a passionate relationship with Christ as they journey through this season. And at the end of this 12 weeks, 
we get to have a big baby shower for them and their babies. And then we hope that after this 12 weeks that they will feel uh, comfortable and ready to be involved with our church as a whole. So please pray for this ministry that these expectant moms will be brave and will come to our church and join this ministry and that it will be all that God intends for it to be. And then maybe as I've been speaking, you're, you're thinking, I might like to be involved with that ministry. Or you may be thinking about a young woman that you know that might benefit from this ministry. So we have an information table set up in the parlor where you can come by and we'll try to answer any questions, give you more information. So after the service is over, stop by and see Megan about VBS, say hi to Dr. Cox, and then come on into the parlor and let us answer your questions. Thank you. Well, before we go, uh, I want to remind you about the offering boxes on the back of the wall there. You can place your offerings there. And if you've given over the past year, last year, uh, we have giving uh, contribution statements available at the Welcome Center. You can pick those up uh, today if you, if you don't mind doing that for us. Uh, we're thankful for a God that meets us where we are in this world and uh, offers his grace and mercy and a fresh start to us. So we give him praise for that. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for who you are, that where we find ourselves in this world, you are there to offer your love to us. God, we just thank you for fresh starts and new opportunities. And, and uh, we pray for this ministry that's starting in February, uh, for the young women who uh, need encouragement and support and, and uh, an example of your love demonstrated to them. So help us, the church, be that for, for them and for all those that we encounter. Uh, help us to love you and to love people around us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Oh,